Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tolles, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Ons at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Uh, another week, another amazing guest. Will this trend ever stop? No, never. My guest today is actor Brian J. Smith, who spoke to me about his spark. Oscar Farhadi's incredible Oscar-winning film, A Separation. Uh, Brian is such a smart, thoughtful guy, and it was really lovely chatting about another film that I love so much. It's a film that examines a lot of really complicated issues, so we really got into it. Um, Fair warning, if you have not seen A Separation, we are going to spoil the entire fucking thing, just in case that's an issue for you. Okay, anyway, let's get down to business. Quick Brian facts. Plano, Texas native Brian J. Smith is an actor known for his roles as Will Gorski in the Netflix-produced series Sensate, Lieutenant Matthew Scott in Stargate Universe, and for his Tony-nominated role as Jim O'Connor in the 2013 revival of The Glass Menagerie. He can currently be seen in the FX on Hulu limited drama series Class of 09, which also stars Brian Tyree Henry and Kate Mara. The series focuses on the transformation of the U.S. criminal justice system as it is altered by the rise of artificial intelligence. So check it out, why don't you? Quick, a separation facts. 
A Separation is a 2011 Iranian film written and directed by Oscar Farhadi. It focuses on an Iranian middle-class couple who separate, the disappointment and desperation suffered by their daughter due to their egotistical disputes, and the conflicts that arise when the husband hires a lower-class caregiver for his elderly father who suffers from Alzheimer's disease. A Separation won numerous awards upon its release, including the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, becoming the first Iranian film to win the award. And there you have it. Time to move swiftly along to the good stuff. Here comes my chat with Brian J. Smith about a separation. Do you remember being turned on to this movie, hearing about it the first time, seeing it the first time? I think I found this movie uh, by accident, actually. I was probably doing what a lot of us do on a, you know, off night, like just trying to find something to watch. I think this popped up on the Criterion channel, which is like my favorite place to find movies. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just, I went for it. I didn't know anything about it going in. I didn't read any reviews or, you know, check out Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that. So I went in totally cold and was really just blown away. It's, I, I think for me, what I love so much about it is, is that there's a real, real consistent moral center in the movie without making anybody into a bad guy. And, uh, you know, I think like really great films are empathy producing machines. And, uh, you know, when someone can make a movie where you can't really pin down one person is wrong or bad, that, that, that to me is like really what, what film and theater and novels can do the best, which is make you look at other people and realize that everyone's carrying something, everybody's dealing with something. And uh, if only we tried to understand that more, we might be a little bit more forgiving and we might be able to get along together a little bit better. Right. Yeah. I think there are so many incredible, amazing, complex things about this movie. But one of the things that strikes me the most, just kind of a, as a starting point, is in some ways, it's very small. It's like a small number of people, a small number of settings. It's very intimate. But the issues that are raised are so huge, and there's so many of them. I, I read a review that said the film progresses like a flower opening, that it's like starts out with this one little thing where it's like this couple getting divorced or separating. Even that is complex. But then as it goes on, it's like, yeah, I I mean, I'm rambling on, but um, so much complexity in a story that is really at its core about a handful of people, which I find really, really fascinating and is is another indication of how masterful this this film is and and, uh, a testament to the filmmaking. Yeah. It's also like really interesting because I think a lot of times like films engineer um, sympathy and empathy for the main character by establishing really, really, really strong, um, antagonists, mm-hmm. um, who you just like, uh, you know, automatically sense or are made to believe that they are just bad and they are a force of evil battling this force of good in the, in the, in this story. And, and in this case, there's just none of that, right? It's every single one of these people are, are just so human and they have their own complex matrix of, you know, desires and needs and backstories. Um, and they're all just kind of like brought into conflict. And it's just a crazy situation where 
you know, no one is really, really right. You can't, it's constantly playing around with your expectations of who, who's the bad guy. Like we want that so bad in a story. Mm-hmm. You watch a film like this, like you realize like how badly we desire to have a villain. Um, and they just absolutely refuse to, to deliver that on this film. And I think it's why it's so human is because almost every single situation that people find themselves in is, uh, is totally unmoored from any sense of right or wrong or, you know, good or bad villain hero, right? We're, if we really are honest with ourselves, um, everyone has their reasons for what they do. And it's just amazing to me, actually, that there's not more films like this, that there's not more writing like this that really tries to illuminate that. Because to me, it's, it's such an important theme and it's something that like really can change the way you like go out and live your daily life. Mm. You know, I mean, if you can watch a movie that makes you like a little less likely to snap on the subway (laughs) or a little bit less likely to judge someone who you think is like totally not like you at all. I don't know. I I think it's movies like this that really have the opportunity to, to, to change the world for the better. I I know it's like, sounds so uh, Pollyanna ish, but I, it, it's, it's really important. You know, it's very rare. We see a film that can actually make things better. Yeah. And I, like, I don't know if it's this, uh, I, I guess it is quite a, a human, natural human desire to want things to have easy answers, to be able to like compartmentalize things and be able to say, this is right, this is wrong. Especially when it comes to filmmaking, maybe there is a desire generally from people to say, I want somebody to dictate to me what I'm supposed to feel about this, or at least to have like a, a narrow band of um, the interpretations that are possible. And with something like this, not only is the film not telling you who's right or who's wrong or passing judgment on anybody, but everyone's motivations, there are multiple motivations for each thing. They act selfishly and selflessly, sometimes in the same moment. Yeah. And it's this, it's, it's so intense. It's so like, panic inducing for something that is again like a quite a languid drama there are so many moments that are just like oh my fucking god i know i know it just used to yarm right yeah i also think it's a really interesting look at the justice system Mm. um in iran i mean the way that these divorce courts are set up and then even the way that these you know sort of criminal trials are set up you know like it's just fascinating to think how this would have unfolded in America right? and the way our, our whole justice system with judges and juries and appeals and lawyers and all that. I mean, this is, you go to a courtroom out there and you're in a hallway with all these other people with all these other conflicts and there's the police are there just keeping order, but you walk into a room and you literally stand in front of a, a, a judge who's sitting at like a fold out table mm-hmm. <laughs> who's been doing this for, you know, like like eight hours already all day and is like meeting out justice in this actually really fast, streamlined way. I, I just thought it's so fascinating how th- th- this th- these conflicts are, are adjudicated right. over there. And also the, how terrifying it is when you're talking about somebody who's being accused of murder and the way that the judge can be swayed by one witness with like uh, them, it's it's their word against the person who's being accused, but still saying, if this person says you did this thing, then you are guilty. Crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, and, and it is, it's like, that brings up all these other issues of just like cultural difference and 
you know, how Iranians feel about their own government, how they feel about religiousness versus secularism, how gender comes into play, uh, you know, family relationships, all of these things. And it doesn't feel overloaded. It feels very natural because all of these complexities are part of human existence. Yeah, it's a miracle. I really do think the movie is a miracle. You wonder, like you said, how they managed to get all of these conflicts in there and the way they can get it to unfold in this like totally organic way in the story. Like it doesn't feel like it's written at all. It's one of these movies you feel like you're watching it and it just it just is unfolding the way in the in the confusing, messy, sometimes terrifying way that these things can unfold in real life. And then to watch it unfolding in this in this judicial system that is very novel, I think, for like most Americans or, you know, people in Western society, uh, it just makes it even more fascinating. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, we could spend a year picking apart all the different issues that are uh, a part of this, but the, you know, the other aspects of the legal system that um, are, are kind of brought to the fore a divorce court. Yeah. And, you know, one of the small criticisms that I've um, read of the movie is people saying that it's actually much harder for women to get a divorce in Iran than is implied that it's not something that could easily kind of go either way if they can give a, a solid reason that that's not necessarily how it happens all the time. But even in the way that it's portrayed in the movie, yeah, it's still a, a bit more like we're going to hash this out right here. And make a decision right now based on what we're saying in this conversation, which is a very different way of handling things. Right. Right. I, I, I think for me too, like the the divorce proceedings um, and the, the 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 way that they handle divorce to me was always, I, I, I really felt a personal connection to it. I was very moved by it. I mean, my, my own parents went through a really, really bad divorce when I was 16. Um, you know, my two siblings who were much younger were involved. And I remember going to like uh, the custody hearings uh, and I had to get up on stand <laughs> and he was questioned by the lawyers for my dad and questioned by the lawyers for my mom because um, they were trying to get uh, custody of my, you know, my two younger brothers and trying to figure out where they would go. And, you know, I, I that little girl in this film, <laughs> Um, it's just so spectacular, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't understand. I don't understand how you get a performance like that out of a child that age. Um, all I know is that watching her go through that and being torn, but you know, between her parents in such a wrenching way, and and then that genius like last scene of the film, right, where she's in some way left to decide, uh, you know how things are going to go. Oh, it just is, it's just so heartbreaking. And I think anyone who's gone through a divorce as a child uh, would really, really find this to be very uh, cathartic. Right, right. And um, the girl who plays the daughter is the director's daughter um, in real life. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And like, so, so brilliant and so natural. And you really believe that she's in this situation as kind of, you know, being pulled in two directions by her parents. Um, it's, yeah, 
an, an incredible performance. I think one of the best performances in the movie. Yeah. And she's, you know, uh, it's it's a relatively small part, all things considered. Yeah, child child actors on film, man. It's like, you know, just that old, what people say, it's like never get on stage with a child or, or an animal because they're just, mm-hmm. they're just so fascinating. It, it's interesting. There's always like this age, like right before kids become too aware and too self-conscious mm-hmm. that they can be so fascinating on camera. I. I, I I always thought it's one of the, you know, I, I mean, I've seen this in myself, you know, uh, that you, you definitely lose something the older and wiser, more complex you get that there is this, this total malleable quality that, that kids at just the right age can have on camera, right? Where like their imaginations are completely unencumbered and they can just believe that they're in this situation in spite of the fact that there's a camera crew and your dad over there directing and these two people pretending to be your parents, right? There's something that it's so unencumbered about kids that I think that like, you know, actors after a certain point, you're, it's like you're spending the rest of your life trying to get back to that mindset that you had at a certain age. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of a terrible thing that we, that we lose that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the the film is really bookended by the divorce proceedings and having this girl in some ways be the catalyst for everything that happens in the entire movie. And it's this kind of butterfly effect thing that's like, because the mom wants to take her out of the country and the dad wants to stay there is friction there and he has to hire a babysitter and blah, 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 like all of these things happening because of this one dispute, again, just puts that uh, enormous pressure on that performance for a child. Um, and she really, really pulled it off. Yeah. I, I, I also really love the way that they navigate her changing relationship between the two parents. Uh, obviously, at the beginning of the film, she's She's a daddy's girl mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't want to go with the mother. She doesn't want to, um, you know, she's not very close to the mother at all. And it's interesting how the child finds out certain things or starts to intuit certain things that her father says about this, you know, uh, sort of central event in the film. And she starts to see him in a different way. And it's, oh, it is so, I'm getting the chills thinking about it. It's so heartbreaking to see this little girl kind of have her illusions about her own father just dissolve in front of her eyes mm-hmm. through this whole thing. Again, yeah. something else is just so incredible about the writing and then about what she brings to that performance. It's just, it's a miracle just on every level. This is like one of those, listen, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, I've been in a lot of TV shows and, you know, done some independent films and stuff. I've done theater and like, I can tell you like, you know, even just to have something work on the most basic level, I don't think people get how lightning in a bottle difficult that is to, to, to do. Making really good, making just a basically good movie that just holds together is a feat. But to make a movie that just every single scene, every frame, every performance, everything is just humming and working perfectly in unison on a film where they're shooting everything out of order. And it's a miracle. Like it really is a miracle. 
time to stretch our little legs, but we'll be right back after the break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. And, you know, not forgetting, being it's being made in a country where censorship is like you know the, the the guidelines within you within which you have to work to make a movie are so strict and this film was even kind of on the borderline as to whether it was going to be allowed to be released and it, yeah doing all of that and actually being critical of uh the Iranian government of Iranian aspects of Iranian society or at least looking at them through a critical lens that you wouldn't imagine uh, would be something that would pass the censors. Um, but yeah. it's, it's testament to how delicately all of this stuff is handled. Yeah, it really reminds me of, um, I, you know, you hear the stories of like, I believe it's uh, Shostakovich, uh, you know, was trying to, uh, you know, compose music in the Soviet system, right? I believe like in the, you know, 40s, 50s, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And the the sort of gymnastics that he had to perform in order to get his music approved by the Soviet censors and the sort of art judges of the time is really miraculous and in some way kind of became a part of his art. Um, The way that he tricked them into thinking that he was following the rules when in fact he was just like totally subverting them, right? Because they were not that smart. He was much, much, much smarter than them. I wonder if there was a little bit of this involved as well. This filmmaker um, was just knew exactly how to toe the line while still making a film that that if you if you think about it, yeah, is very critical of that of that society. Right, and you know, having a secular couple who are kind of middle class and a very religious couple who are very poor, but then you know there are those moments like the very beginning when the divorce court stuff is happening and the woman says, I want to take my daughter out of here because I don't want her to be raised in this environment. And the judge is like, what do you mean by that? And it's just silence. And so just like kind of implying meaning, but even that to me, I was like shocked that something like that would have passed the censors because it seems to my mind reasonably explicit, even though there isn't anything explicit said. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's gosh. Yeah, I could just go on and on about this this movie. I think I've I think I've seen it three times now. I might watch it for a fourth time here pretty soon. Yeah, uh, it it's really just a kind of a miracle. Yeah, yeah, and um, I guess also just outside of all of the kind of broader um, issues that we've we've talked about, 
the humanity underlying everything. And the thing that really stuck out to me in that respect is the relationship between the um, husband and his father who has uh, Alzheimer's that I, I guess, you know, in some ways that could be seen as the catalyst for the whole thing. And, um, you know, my, my dad had uh, early onset dementia before he died and knowing what, uh, how horrendous it is to care for someone who is disappearing before your eyes, can't care for themselves in any way anymore. And just the, the physical exhaustion of having to, you know, pick up an adult man and dress him and bathe him. And, you know, there's that scene where he's like bathing his dad and is just like totally destroyed by what's happening. Right. And so many moments like that, that are, uh, even if you don't have that exact experience in your life, you, you can empathize with, with what that person is going through because everybody has something that has felt that devastating or just relating to really wanting to care for the people you love and not wanting to abandon them when things are tough. Yeah. It's interesting that there's not any, I, I, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I, I can't remember any discussion in the film about you know, sending the father into some kind of a care facility or a hospital. And it, I don't know if that's because such things just are not available there or if they are available, that they're so horrendous that the idea of putting your, you know, uh, loved one in a situation like that is just not even an option. But there also, too, it's probably possible that I, I think that I do get the impression that it, this is a very traditionalist society. And uh, I think the idea of you take care of your elders mm -hmm. in the same way that they took care of you when you were growing up, that I, I wonder if that's just something that is a given. Um, it's just a sort of an accepted value out there. But it, yeah, it's interesting that I, I, that whole, that oh, those scenes with, with the father are just, yeah, absolutely, absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, in so many ways, there are so many things about it that are heartbreaking. I mean, the the other couple, you know, dealing with a miscarriage, um, being saddled with debt and threatened with, you know, the, the man being threatened with imprisonment because of their debt, it completely discounting everything else that's happening, just the stress and worry and upset. Because you, 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 could, you could just easily... Again, I think any other writer, any other director, any other film would have stopped with the fact that that guy is, uh, you know, a domestic abuser, right? And they, they do this very, very brave thing, which is to not at all condone it, but to say what's underneath it. Why is he so violent and why is he so, you know, uh, uh, such, a, such a dangerous character to that wife? Um, and you don't necessarily, of course, you don't, you don't sympathize with the fact that he, you know, was probably responsible for her, for her miscarriage on some level. But, um, but you understand the, the conditions that are in place that, that make someone like that so desperate and so unhinged. You know, I think we can all in some way, we can all in some way relate to like being, feeling so powerless in our lives that we've done absolutely stupid things it, whether it was just on a, like a micro level like a very small thing of like like saying something cruel or snapping at someone or you know whether it's been you know bigger things like you know like like major life things that you regret and of course we live in a society we have to like 
we can't have those things happen. People have to like not hurt each other. But I think the, the film is making a much deeper point about like the things that are in place to drive people to be that way. Um, and that's, uh, again, uh, just a, a, a tribute to, to um, the way this film is designed. Right. And as we were saying before, just not passing judgment on anyone understanding that everybody's life, everyone's situation, all of those things are so much more complex than uh, uh, black or white. It's so kind <laughs> in so many ways. It's such a, a forgiving way to look at the world. And, you know, in thinking about the way that it relates to like the American justice system, where somebody does something, even if they have co committed a, a horrendous crime and it is accepted that they did it, they admit to it, examining what led them to make that decision, what ma led them to commit that act. And, you know, this old adage that, uh, you know, you shouldn't, uh, that the worst day of your life shouldn't be the thing that you are judged on for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, that kind of mentality that it's like uh, really allowing people to, you know, uh, um, making, making space for uh, human, the humanity of every person um, and really allowing their story to be something that's worth being told. Yeah. Yeah. And something also too about mercy, you know, I, for some reason I thought about uh, the Merchant of Venice with this movie, you know, and about like what role forgiveness plays when, when terrible, you know, things happen and people do things that, you know, kind of deserve punishment. You know, it's, it's, um, I think about Portia's speech in the courtroom, you know, um, like the quality of mercy is not strained. Right. And, uh, I, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's a, it's a really potent discussion to have, especially today, because I, I do think that we are all in a very vengeful mood right now, especially with, you know, uh, uh, cancel culture and, um, you know, we've got, you know, people, uh, I think on the extreme left and the people on the extreme right, you know, who are just kind of fighting over everybody else's heads and demanding, you know, absolute justice for their side, you know? And I think that films like this are important because it reminds us that, um, you know, the, 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 the zealots don't really understand something very fundamental about the human experience, which is that it is complicated and that it is messy and that, you know, if you're a human being and you're going through it, there's someone else who's going through it too or has. And um, it just a little bit of mercy, a little bit of grace is maybe what we need right now than more raised voices and more strict, rigid uh, moral codes that, that demand punishment all the time. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think that is a, a lovely, a lovely note, um, to, uh, to finish on. This has been really wonderful. Oh, great. I really appreciate you making time for me. Um, I've, I've really loved talking about this with you. Well, thanks. It's fun. Uh, thank you so much again. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Big fan of the, big fan of the podcast. Thanks a lot. This is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Admit it. That was a good one, wasn't it? I'm pretty consistent with the incredible content. Thanks again to Brian for such a wonderful conversation. Check him out in Class of 09 on FX and or Hulu. Okay. 
quick spark of the week from me. It's still Pride Month. Did you notice that? It's literally Pride Month for the whole month of June. Thrilling, isn't it? So, as a special little pride treat, I re-watched a movie called The Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love. I mean, the title pretty much tells you everything you need to know, but it's essentially a first love story uh, between two high school girls, and it's the cutest. It's extremely 90s and extremely low budget, but it's also incredibly sweet and heartwarming, so give it a little watch if you can find it. And that is about it for this week. You can follow me on social media at Spark Parade. You can also give the show a little five-star rating in Apple Podcasts, and it'll really help the show. You can keep your little four-star and below reviews to yourself. Thank you very much. And until next time, bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.